0: Well, this morning we're in week three of this series of messages that we're calling uh, Devoted and Led. It's a series that we're uh, looking at the book of Acts, and what we're seeing is that the book of Acts gives us a pretty clear picture of what the church was designed to be, the intent of the church and the purpose of the church, and what it should still be today as the body of Christ and the church as we know it. But over the years, and we've been talking about this, an unfortunate thing uh, happened. And instead of people being the church, people started going to church. They began to think of it as an event that you would go and and sit through and then you would leave and uh, not think too much about the church until it was time to go the next Sunday. But what we're learning is, what we're hopefully learning is this, is that the church is so much more than that. The church is so much more than just an event. It's so much more than just a place that you go to and attend. But the church is the body of Christ. It's a Fellowship of believers that are gathering around this common Savior, this common idea that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And because of His death, burial, and resurrection, we have a path to spend eternity with Him. And the body of Christ is basically a group of followers that are devoted to that message, they're devoted to Him. And not only are they devoted to their Savior, but we also are learning that they are so very devoted to one another. They do life together. They worship together. They study the Word of God together. They pray together. This is the body of Christ. This is what the body of Christ was intended to be. And that group of people, because of what happened on the day of Pentecost can move, journey together, worship together, work toward this common mission that we've been given to make disciples, we can all do that when we are led by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit is working in us and through us. The church is not a place. It's not an event. But instead, it's this movement that we've been looking at, a family of people that God has adopted Himself has uh, looked down upon us and adopted us into His royal family. So we've been looking at the fact that these first century Christians began this great movement because they were so devoted to the message. They were so devoted to this message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And they were led and empowered by the Spirit. And this morning what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the first miracle that we find recorded in the book of Acts. This is the first miracle that we see uh, take place after Jesus has ascended uh, into heaven and left His work to be accomplished and completed by the body of Christ, His followers. This first miracle involves His disciples, Peter, and also John. And we're going to see them heal a crippled man Uh, here in chapter 3. And what's awesome about this is that there are 14 times in the book of Acts where we see the miracle of healing take place. But here in this passage that we're going to be looking at today is the very first time we see it. And some scholars say that if we will understand Uh, and grasp the meaning behind this first miracle, then in a way, we will really understand all of the miracles that we read about and that we see. And so we're going to talk about today what miracles teach us and what miracles show us. And one commentary said it like this, Miracles of God teach us how God feels about suffering in this world. And what he's doing about it. Through the miracles that we see take place there in the early church. We can learn what he's saying to us in our struggles. We can can learn what he's saying to us in our suffering and and our sickness. And, And it also shows us as the church in 2022 what our mission is in this world today. How we should feel about suffering and what God wants to do through us about the suffering that's taking place in our world today. And so let's walk through this first miracle that we see here in Acts chapter 3. And I'm just going to summarize verses 1 through 11 real quickly. We're not going to read the entire chapter. Uh, and I appreciate uh, Bailey uh, Grady reading for us this morning. She was a nervous wreck, y'all. We didn't know that we were going to make so many people nervous by uh, asking them to read uh, the scripture. There's really nothing to be afraid of. Uh, no one has ever, no one has shot at me yet while I've been up here. Uh, so you're in a safe place to be able to do that. I appreciate Bailey reading our scripture for us in our worship today. But this miracle went like this. One day, Peter and John, they're headed to the temple as uh, they would have typically uh, and normally be doing. And while they're headed in there, they encounter this crippled man uh, who couldn't walk. And uh, basically, he had been a beggar uh, his entire life because of this handicap that, that he had. Uh, and when they walk past this guy, this guy uh, does what he did to everyone that would pass by them. He asked him uh, for some money. And so Peter stops and, and acknowledges the man and asks the man to, to look at him, and the man does. And he basically tells the man this, who's expecting to get a handout. He said, Silver or gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I want you to have. What I do have, I want to give you. I I don't have any money. I I can't help you financially today. But what I do have, I want to give you. And so he extends his hand out to him. And he reaches and he takes the man by the hand. And he pulls him up. And Scripture tells us that immediately the guy's feet and legs became strong and he stood and not only did he stand but this man who had been crippled all of his life was now walking and you continue to read and it says that he was leaping and praising God for this healing that he has just experienced now the people that were gathered around this was naturally creating quite the commotion uh, because there were a lot of people going into the temple, a lot of people that were gathered there. And so people were all amazed. They were talking about, you know, this, this guy that's walking and running and jumping and, and, and praising God is the same guy that's been laying here, you know, year after year after year. And so the, the story began to, to spread and they were amazed and others came to see what was going on. And that's where I want to pick it up this morning. Starting at verse 12, as the crowd gathers uh, uh, there, Peter says this to them. He said, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. Verse 15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. This is what they were witnesses of. This is what they had seen, what they had experienced, and now what they had been called to share throughout the entire world. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know... He was made strong. He was healed. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Him that has completely healed Him as you all can see. Verse 17, Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. And so what I want to do today is take a look at this first miracle and and what Peter has to say here about this miracle that's just taken place that we find recorded here. And see what it teaches us today, how it applies to us today in 2022, and, and also to teach us about what most every miracle that we read about in Scripture teaches us and tells us. And the first thing is this, miracles will always point us to God. Miracles will always point us to the Creator. Miracles will always point us to the Healer. Miracles will always point us to the Comforter. Even the miracles that Jesus did were done so that people would know and see the power of God. God authenticated who He was through the power that Jesus had while He was here on the earth and the miracles that Jesus performed while He was here on this earth. And Peter says here in verses 15 and 16, You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. And so God... Validated who Jesus was by the miracles that he performed. Do you see that? He validated, This is my son, by the power that his son displayed and the power that his son showed while he was here. God authenticated who he was through Jesus and the resurrection of a dead body from a tomb. And now here in Acts, we see that not only was was God validated through what Jesus had done, through Jesus' miracles and the resurrection of Jesus, but now don't miss this, we see here in the book of Acts that the miracles that these disciples performed were validation that this was His body. That He is the head, but through the power of the Holy Spirit working in through the body, He validated Himself through the miracles that they experienced and that they performed. This was the body of Christ being authenticated and validated as the body of a living God. And we call that body the church today. God validated His Son Jesus, and now... He validates the body, His church, through miracles that were performed. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit." Miracles were God's way of saying, this is really me. This is really my body. This is really my adopted kids that I'm working in them and and through them. It it was like God's divine signature giving authenticity to this movement that was taking place in the world. He was showing, He was proving, yes, this is me. This is my body. This is my power working in them and through them. There are so many things that have happened uh, throughout history like this miracle that we're looking at that you would just have to say is extraordinary and and, you know it it wasn't just in the bible there are times countless times uh, even in the history of this church that we saw and experienced extraordinary things And we knew without a shadow of a doubt that it was God's hand that was in it, that it was God's power that was at work, and it was God that was doing it in and through His church and in and through His people. This morning uh, in the early service, Frank and Dory uh, were here for early service this morning. And those of you that don't know Frank and Dory, they sat here on the second row. The most time they're here in the second service, and she's in a wheelchair. But she stands and worships like she's at the throne of God. It's the most beautiful thing that you ever saw. But the reason she's in that wheelchair is because of a major stroke that she had many years ago. Doctors said that she was going to die. She didn't die. Doctors said she was going to be a vegetable. She's not a vegetable. She stands and praises her God who has been so good to her. Friends, God still does extraordinary things to show and to prove that He is God. He is all-powerful and that the body of Christ is His body and He proves it time and time again. Now, you can't help but conclude that that these things happened throughout Scripture and throughout the history of even this church as the result of a greater power than any power that man or woman might have. In the events of Jesus' life, His resurrection are validation that there is a divine power that is at work in this world today. And one of the greatest reasons that we have To believe in God is by uh, acknowledging and recognizing the extraordinary miracles and the miraculous things that He's done. And one of the most impressive is the very first one that we see recorded in Scripture, and it's simply this, in the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created it all. He created every single thing. He created every living being. And if you believe in God, you have to accept the fact that He is a miracle-working God who is all-powerful. And a God that created all things, I want you to think about it. If He is the creator of all things, then He has the power to change all things in any given moment. And He does. God gave His Son, Jesus, the power to perform miracles so that the world would recognize Him. And if you're looking for somewhere to place your faith, if you're looking for hope today, it's only in Him. Because when you encounter Him, when you accept Him, when you surrender to Him as your Lord and Savior, you have this same power flowing in your veins that raised Jesus from the dead. Scripture tells us that. We have this power available to us today. And when you encounter Him, when you understand His character, when you understand His power and you experience His power in your life, that's when you will be convinced that He's your only hope of getting out of this world alive. But our faith doesn't solely rest on watertight miracles. It rests on the revelation of who God is through His Son, Jesus, and who God is through His body, the church. One scholar said it like this, God didn't give us a watertight argument, He gave us a watertight Savior, a watertight person. So I want to ask you this morning the same thing that Peter asked this group that had gathered there around him that day. Have you listened to Jesus Are you listening to Jesus? Because verse 23 gives us a pretty serious and stark warning. It says that anyone who does not listen to Him will be completely cut off. Friend, that's a scary place to be. That's a scary line to to be walking. God declared not only was He the only way to be saved under heaven, but also He was the only way to be completely restored and healed from the sin that contaminates the things of this world. question is this. Are you listening to Him? Are you following Him? Are you allowing His Spirit to work in you and through you? Have you been authenticated as a member of the body of Christ by the work that He's doing through you and in you? And so this miracle, as... Most miracles throughout Scripture points us to God and God's authentication of Jesus and God's authentication of His followers and the church. The second thing that miracles do is miracles, points us to, miracles point us to what's coming. They point us to what's coming in the future. Peter says here in verse 21 that a time is coming when God is going to restore everything. He is going to restore all things, everything, to how He intended for it to be when He first created it. He's going to restore it all back to the original state of how He wanted it to be in the first place. Don't miss this. This miracle we see here it is no different than, than most of the miracles that we see. It points us to what? Restoration. It points us to healing. It points us to this restoration and this ultimate healing that's coming as God has promised that it will. And here's what's interesting. These Jews that had gathered around, uh, that were uh, gathering around, maybe coming from inside the temple once they've heard the commotion, or maybe they're passing by about to enter into the temple. This group of people that had gathered around were, were mostly Jews. They were probably all Jews there. And so the Jews, especially the, these real religious Jews, they would have taken great pride in the fact that they knew the Old Testament Scripture that they had available to them so well. Many of them hadn't memorized the Scriptures that were available to them. So they knew the Word of God and they took great pride in the fact that they knew the Word of God. And so here's the deal. Because of that, they would have immediately... Known and recognized that the healing of this lame man, what has just taken place here, this the healing of this this crippled man was the fulfillment of what Isaiah had said in chapter thirty-five and verse six when he says, "Then the lame will leap like deer," and they would have, this would have very much caught their attention. Right? The prophet Isaiah explained that God was going to send a, a Messiah to purchase the healing of the entire world. And through his work, all the pain and all the suffering and all the sickness and all the death of the earth was going to be reversed. He said it like this, Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Don't miss this. This was a prophecy of the future. This was a prophecy of what was to come. And and don't misunderstand. This is important. That This doesn't mean that anyone from now on that believes in Jesus is going to be physically healed. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that this healing will be a sign of what ultimately is to come. Think about it. There in Jerusalem that day, there were probably a lot of sick people, uh, especially if it was November or December, right? Uh, A lot of flu, a lot of stomach bugs going around, a lot of just junk going around. So there were probably a lot of sick people in Jerusalem that day. Matter of fact, there were probably some people... Besides this man in Jerusalem that day who couldn't walk, and Peter only healed one, he only healed one of them. Why is that? Because you see it, it's not so much about uh, Just a miracle so that a guy could walk again. It was so much more than that. It was so much bigger than that. It's a sign of the full restoration that is available to to us and is coming in the future. Not only did the apostles' miracles uh, point people to Jesus, but they also pointed people to the kind of restoration that Jesus is going to bring to the whole world. Jesus' miracles weren't just done to be impressive magic shows. I mean, that, that's not why he did them. He didn't do them to impress people or to show them that he had these magical powers. If it was, you know, he could have written his name in the sky with the stars. You know, it could be that every night when we go out and the stars are shining, it could be that he takes the stars every night and just arranges them to spell out Jesus the Messiah. You know, he could do that. He, he could have made uh, camels disappear. He could have been like, you know, if it was all about the miracles and the magic that he could do, he could be like, hey, watch this, and the camel disappear, and the guy riding it just falls to the ground. I mean, he, he could have done things like that. If he really wanted to do an impressive miracle he could let arkansas be good at football (laughs) that would truly be a miracle right ryan but he didn't do things like that that's not how he operates think about it every miracle that jesus and the apostles did was to stop suffering It was to stop suffering. They pointed to His purpose. They pointed to the mission of God. His saving purpose. He healed leprosy. He cured blindness. He stopped major storms. He raised the dead. These miracles were were all done to show us that, you know what? God is no happier with the world and the condition that it's in, than we are. Think about it. God didn't create the world with pain. God didn't create the world with cancer. God didn't create the world with blindness or disease or even death. That all came, why? Because of the corruption of sin. These miracles point us to the world as God created it to be. And how he wants it to be, and don't miss this, friends, how it will be in the future. Don't miss this. That's your future if you're a child of God. You will be delivered from sickness. You will be delivered from disease. You will be delivered from struggles and suffering and death. That's your future If you have accepted Christ and you are a devoted follower of Jesus, that's your future. It's not life stinks and then you die. Friends, this is what's in store for us. If we are a devoted child of God being used and led by the Spirit in the manner which God wants to use us. Can I ask you this morning, do you want that restoration in your life? Do you want that full and complete and total healing in your life in the future? Because here's the deal. You were made for that. You were made for that. To live in a world, to live in a place, to live in a heaven without brokenness, without sin, without pain, without suffering, and without death. Well, in order to be restored and healed of all things, of everything... You must be devoted to Jesus. You must be devoted to Him, devoted to the message, devoted to His body, and led by His Spirit in your life. And that brings us to the third thing about miracles, the third and last thing this morning about miracles, uh, and it's this miracles point us to our need for salvation. Miracles point us to our need for salvation. And what we see in most all of these miracles is our need for healing of our souls. Think about it: our physical ailments and our physical problems actually point us to the heart condition of all of us. It does. Some people are are, are physically blind. But the book of Ephesians says that we're all spiritually blind. And so the physical sickness of our bodies points to the internal sickness of our souls that needs to be healed and needs to be made whole again. Now, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, you know, if you're physically sick or if you're in pain, that there's something that God is punishing you for. It's simply that physical sickness in general gives us a picture of the sickness of our souls that has been caused by sin in our lives. And so the miracle, the miracle is a message to us about our need for salvation and healing that only Jesus can bring to our souls. And friends, we all need that. We all need that. The crippled guy here in our story this morning, the very first thing that he asked for was for money. Because a lot of people think that money can cure a lot of things. It can fix a lot of things. It can restore a lot of things. that it can bring joy and happiness and peace and comfort. And the very first thing that this man asked for is that very thing. He asked for money. But Peter says, ain't got none of that, bro. I'm a preacher. Uh, he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I do give you. You see, Peter's given us a pretty good clear picture here of what the body of Christ looks like. We may not be able to meet every need. We may not be able to help people overcome their financial struggles or whatever their struggles may be. But Peter said, we do have something to offer. We do have something to offer. I don't have any silver or gold, but what I've got, I'm going to give to you. In other words, what you want from me, money, is what appears to you to be good. But what I'm going to give you is much better. It's much better, so much better and so much richer than just having some coins in your hand. And instead of giving him money, he gave him physical healing. But friends, if you continue to read on, here in the book of Acts, over in chapter 4, we learn that this guy actually ends up becoming a disciple of Jesus and a follower of Christ, a part of this movement, a part of this family, a part of the church. So which was the greatest gift? Money? no was it physical healing was that the greatest gift no it was the spiritual healing of his soul and being adopted into the family of the king of kings that was the greatest gift amen as bad as physical suffering is there is something that is so much worse than that and that's being crippled by your sin And as great as physical healing is, there's something so much greater, and that's the salvation of your soul. If Peter had said, well, my brother, I don't have any money. And I'll be honest with you, I I can't physically heal you today. But I will tell you this, that if you trust Jesus as your Savior, your sins will be forgiven, and you will have eternal life. Now, that wouldn't have been as awesome as a story as the one we just read, would it? Or would it? Because isn't the salvation of the soul and the promise of full restoration in the future greater than any temporary miracle that we have? Sure it is. Think about it. This beggar sitting by the temple every day, he's looking at everybody. He's watching everybody that walks in, and he's watching everybody that walks out. And I'm sure he probably thought, if I could just walk, everything would be better. If I could just walk, I could be happy, and I'd never be unhappy again. If I could walk like these people and go anywhere that I wanted to go, anytime that I wanted to go, I'd never be unhappy again. But is that true? Because most of us here today can walk, but some of you are still unhappy. And see, so it wasn't this physical need to be able to walk that was going to bring him joy and happiness. So so walking doesn't mean that we will be happy, does it? But honestly, we all have something in our lives probably that we think, if I could just get that, then everything would be okay. If I could just have that, then I would be happy, and I would be content. But think about it. Other people have those things, and they're not satisfied. Other people have those things that you want, and they're not content or even happy. Because here's the deal. We need something more than physical healing. We need something more than a big, fat bank account. We need something more than than money, something more than than great relationships. We need restoration to an almighty God. That's what we need. That's really what our soul, that's what what our our, our soul literally craves is just being in a right relationship with our creator. And yet we fi- try to find all these other things and all these other places to try to find that contentment, to try to find that peace, to try to find that, that comfort, to try to find that security. And it can only be found in Him. We need something more than a physical healing. We need something more than material things. We need God as our Savior. In fact, I'd say this, physical healing without soul healing is worthless. Physical healing without the soul being restored and healed is worthless. I'm sure that Satan would be more than willing to alleviate your momentary suffering in exchange for your eternal suffering apart from God. I'm sure he'd be glad to give you that and make that deal with you. So... This morning, I could say to you, similar to what Peter said, you know what, I don't always have the ability to physically heal. But what I do have to give you, what I do have to share with you, is salvation in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sin. Peace intimacy with the Creator, a friendship with your Savior that can never be taken away from you. Friends, that's what I have to give you. That's what I have to give you today. And is that not the greatest gift to offer anyone in this world? Is that not the greatest gift and the most important gift? And you know what's even more awesome about it? is it's a free gift. It's a free gift that is being offered you and extended to you. And so I would say to you this morning, whatever pain that you may be going through, whatever struggle that you may be facing, no matter the suffering or the hurt or whatever it may be, the greatest thing I have to give you is the message That you can be healed and you can be restored through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Every service, friend, that's what we're doing. We're offering you that restoration. We're offering you that salvation. We're reaching out our hand to you the way that Peter was reaching his hand out to this beggar. Saying, take what I have. It may not look much to you, and yes, it's free, but oh, it's the greatest gift, the greatest gift that you will ever take and receive in your life. The question is this, do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want that for you? Do you want that for your family? Do we want that for our church? Because friends, this is what church is all about. This is the command that you and I have been given, to go and make disciples. How do we do that? By giving this free gift that we've been entrusted with. By saying, hey, there's a lot of things in this world I can't give you. I can't heal you of your cancer. I can't heal you of your blindness. I can't do a lot of things, but let me tell you something. I have something to offer you that is better than that. I know it sounds crazy, but it's so much better. So much better because it will bring you ultimate healing and ultimate restoration and ultimately eternal life and not eternal death. Friends, it's what church is about. The church should be known as a place, the church should be known as a group of people where healing takes place and where someone who is broken can be restored and made whole again. We ought to be able to say, as the body of Christ, you need food? We're going to try to get you some help. We, as the body of Christ, ought to be able to say, you need help? You you need help with parenting? We'll do our best. We're willing to walk along with you on this journey and Lift your kids to the throne. We're we're willing to do whatever it takes, whatever we can do. And we may not can fix everything and we may not can fix it all, but here's what we have to offer you. Here's what we have to offer you. You need community. Do You need friendships. We'd be glad to help you with that. We would love for you to be a part of this community and establish some of the greatest friendships that you will ever know and experience in your life as we come together united in the cause of Christ you have questions, you have doubts about your faith, we'd be glad to walk with you through that and to help you with that. Do you have a desire for a fresh start? I know where you can start. I know where you can get the help. We'd be glad to help you with that. Do you have a vision to help others? (laughs) We want to empower you to be able to do that. The Holy Spirit has empowered you to help others, to help the needy, to help the suffering. You see, these miracles point to the purpose of the church. And the purpose of the church is to alleviate suffering, to bring healing, to bring peace, to bring comfort, to bring this gift that we have, that we've been given and we've been entrusted with. And he would say to us today, what what are, what are we doing with it? What are we doing with these gifts? What are we doing with this power of the Holy Spirit that I've given you? And and I've given you access to the very power that raised Jesus from the dead. What, What are you doing with that? It's a picture of the church. And friends, truthfully, this is what the church must be. We must be a family of God. We must be a family of people who are devoted to Him. Devoted to the mission that He's given us. And devoted to one another. We need one another. We need one another desperately to help us in every area of life. And so my question to you today is this. Will you simply join us? Number one, maybe you're here today and you just need to be saved. Maybe you don't know Christ as your personal Savior today and you've never accepted Him. Or maybe one time you had an emotional experience, maybe even at an altar, and you felt like that you were saved, but you've never really lived in the power of that. You've never really overcome the power of sin in your life and broken free from that. Well, maybe today is just a great day for you to do some self-examination of who you are and where you're at. Because God wants to restore you. He wants to bring healing to your soul, to your spirit, to your situation. God wants to do that for you today, and we're just simply extending our hand and saying, here's this gift that we have, this gift of life, this gift of hope, this gift of healing, this gift of restoration. Will you take it? Will you receive it? And some of you today need to receive that gift. Maybe some of you here today are just uh, maybe convicted about, I'm a part of the body of Christ, but I'm really not actively a part of the body of Christ. I've not been, uh, you know, as devoted to Him, as devoted to the message, as devoted to my family as I should be. And God's just saying to you today, the body of Christ is the body that does the work of Christ together together. We, we've been sent. We've been called to go out there, to be the church out there, to extend this mercy, extend this grace, extend this comfort, extend this healing to others. And we do that together as the body of Christ. And Scripture talks about that every part of the body needs to be doing its part or the body is unhealthy. And so maybe God's just talking to you today about becoming Devoted to the body and what God wants to do and intends to do through the body of Christ. I, I, I don't know what it looks like for you today, but I believe with all my heart that today, through God's Word, I have offered you the greatest thing that I have to offer you. And we're reaching out our hand to you today and saying, Do you want this? Do you want to be a part of this? Do you want this to be who you are? In church, I would say we must go and be faithful and obedient to be who we've been called to be. And then we gather back together on Sundays. We gather back together on Wednesday nights and we celebrate and we encourage. And we talked about a few weeks ago how, you know, if we're dedicated to God and His message, then we're going to be dedicated to learning more about it learning more about Him, learning more about what He wants to do in us and through us. And that's why the church comes together, is to do that, to celebrate those things and to learn and be devoted to Him, devoted to the message, and devoted to the body. So this morning, my prayer is just simply that, that we would be a body that reflects our Savior and who He is and what He wants to do in this world. Let's pray. God, I thank you today again so much for your word and that we have access to your word. And God, also, that there's power in your word. Your Holy Spirit is here today. Your Holy Spirit is working. Um, I pray that uh, those that your Spirit is talking to today would not dismiss your voice. Uh, Peter says here, Why would you not listen to Jesus? Why would you not listen to the word? And he gives us a warning there that those that don't listen will be cut off. But God, again today, my prayer is not just that we would be hearers, but that we would be doers. That we wouldn't just hear it and shake our head in agreement, but we would walk out those doors in agreement to who we've been called to be as the body of Christ. We would walk out those doors looking for the crippled, looking for those that are suffering, looking for those that just simply need someone to extend them a hand, to extend them a helping hand, because that's what Jesus always did. He extended help. He extended hope. He extended healing. And even though we may not can do the things that Jesus did, God, we've been validated as the church through the work of your Spirit to take this free gift of restoration and share it with those that need to be restored and those that need to be saved and god if there be one here today that's not sure about their relationship with you i pray that today would be a day that they would do a deep and personal heart check of where they are and who they are and where they want to be in the future But God, I pray today that we as the church would be challenged to look more like our Father, to look more like the one that has brought healing to our soul. God, I pray that many souls would be healed because of our faithfulness and obedience. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory that you so rightly deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Don't forget there are food boxes that you can sign out. You go up to the the ramp and to your right. You can pick those up there.